This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey there, and welcome to today's episode of Gen Z Money. Today, I'm joined again by Nathan, editor of all the Simo podcasts, and we're going to be talking about money advice we would give to our high school selves. Now, I wish when I was in high school that I had podcasts and Facebook groups and all of these positive money influencers out there who could have given me some great advice about money. So we're hoping to do that for you today. We'll be touching on things like investing, training yourself to be a good saver, buying a car, and remembering what your financial goals are. I hope you enjoy and let's get right into it. Hey, Nath, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, privileged to be back. Who knew I'd be here? <laughs> well, you did such a good job in the last one that I thought I need, I need to talk to you about this one because today we're going to be talking about money advice for our high school selves. Oh, I wish I wasn't back here. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had us in the future to advise our past selves. Um, what were you like at high school with money, Nath? Uh, it's there to be spent. I made it, I earn it, it's mine, see you later. That's pretty much my whole ethos with money in high school and I learned the hard way. But what about you? What, what were you like? Um, I think I was always a planner. Like I remember finding my diaries from when I was 14. I got my first job at KFC and I like I calculate how many hours I was working, my pay rate, which was like 11 bucks an hour or something. Oh, yeah. How much money I'd get paid. <laughs> and then I have like Soundwave tickets, Doc Martens, CDs and I'd like plan how long it would take me to save up to buy those things. Um, but I was saving to spend, if that makes sense. Goodness, that sounds like way too much work for me. I was just like making ice cream at Cold Rock and that would just be, it would, my, actually looking back, it was all just chance. Like I had the money when a band came around. I had the money when a festival just popped up. And if I didn't, I was sad. If I did, I was great but also sad because there was three zeros on my bank account. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was pretty much me. (laughs) What was it like working at Cold Rock? I always thought that'd be a cool job, but I don't think I'd have the muscles for it. (laughs) Well, it turns out a lot of people don't have the muscles for it because you're seeing a lot of RSI in people that work at Cold Rock. Really? (laughs) So um, any Cold Rock people out there, uh, I feel your pain. Oh, maybe not really. I don't have RSI, but yeah, it's, it can be pretty tough. Yeah, wow. There you go. Well, I wouldn't say KFC was my favorite job, but hey, any any job's a job when you're starting out and it teaches you good, valuable life lessons. Even 11 bucks an hour. Yeah, even for $11 an hour. Amazing. Well, drawing from our experience, uh, we've brainstormed a few tips. Um, my first one was to learn about investing early because for myself personally, I don't know, maybe similar for you, Nath, Back when I was in high school, there weren't any of these investing apps. There really wasn't many options to start investing with a small amount of money. However, what I could have done was at least try to learn about how it works so that when I did have the money available and there were the options there for me, I could have gotten started much quicker. Yeah, definitely. Investing for me in high school definitely felt like the Wolf of Wall Street kind of vibe. Like it's it's just day trading. It's just like Mm -hmm. it felt very suit and tie sort of thing. So looking at me now with the option to uh, send roundup money and have that invested into an ETF is just an absolute change of tune for someone like me who is a real spender. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, investing early is such a huge thing. And even learning about compound interest in high school, which definitely went over my head as a 15, 16 year old kid. But Azara, would you explain quickly to anyone listening what compound interest kind of means for a Gen Z person? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it my best go. So it's essentially, let's just say you've got money in the bank account, it's earning 2%. It's not doing that at the moment. But if it was, your your $100 earns 2%, so you've got $102. And then let's say the next year rolls over and then you're earning 2% on $102. So it's kind of like that money keeps building up on top of each other and it grows pretty quickly over time once you're getting more money in there. Right, right. So basically what you're saying is the best time to save and invest is now mm-hmm. because when that interest hits, that money is yours now and that is added to your overall total, which is calculated for interest again. So for me with my investing, I've only started a year ago, I started investing and that's with Vanguard Personal Investor. But I know that even though I'm, I might be a bit late to the game, I know that in the long run with compound interest on my side that when I come to retirement age or whatever I want to use that money for, if I let that sit for five, six, seven, ten years, that will be working for me in the background and I'm not even doing anything to make that number bigger. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when you're starting out, you're not going to have a lot of money to work with, but even just having the habits of regularly saving, regularly investing so that when you are earning more money, you're going to do the exact same thing. You're going to have those behaviors in place and it's going to compound even faster. Yeah, definitely. So what was the next point you had, Azaria? Um, well, it could be a little bit biased here, Nath, um, but what I would have loved in high school was to have a community of people who were money-minded. I always felt like I was very alone trying to figure out how everything worked, but now we have podcasts, obviously like Gen Z Money, My Millennial Money, and even Facebook groups where people are asking questions, discussing money. Um, can, can you think of any Facebook groups that you would recommend, Nath? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, no, but I could think of one that goes MMM. Is it pronounced M? I've heard of that one. Mm, I've heard of that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. So I was actually a part of the M3 Facebook group well before I was employed by Glenn. So I was kind of still learning and still in tune with what people better than me with money are doing. Mm. And that definitely had a positive impact on my life. What about you? Do you were you part of any Facebook groups? Uh, yeah, back then there weren't really many, but as soon as Glenn made the My Millennial Money Facebook group, I was definitely in there. And it's great to be inspired by the, the amazing things that other people are doing and also to not feel alone when people are posting about their struggles and the things they're going through with money. I think that's also really validating. Yeah, and what about podcasts? Do you listen to any others besides your own? Yeah, yep. So obviously everything in the My Millennial Money um, banner, Um, there's there's heaps of great podcasts out there now. There's so many money podcasts. I don't listen to a ton of them because my main job is money and then I do the the money podcast. So (laughs) I have a lot of money saturation in my life, but there are so many options out there now, including YouTubers and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah, it's so much choice. Yeah, definitely. There's always someone smarter than you and they're going to be out there on the internet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I found really helpful, this was like specifically most helpful when I moved out, but I wish I would have started doing it earlier, was to actually have a plan for how I set up my bank accounts because I used to have all of my money going to the one account and it would all come out of the one account. 
Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said for separating, like say, for example, your spending, your bills and your savings. How did you manage that? Do you remember how you managed that in school? Yeah, I definitely just had the one transaction account and the one savings account. And mm-hmm. it was definitely just, I'll put all my money into savings and then realize, oh, I want these shoes. <laughs> Take out a savings, buy the shoes. But then come the end of the year, I've realized, oh, I haven't paid my rego. All the savings that were just looking good, grand out the window. So, it was always very stop-start. I didn't feel like I was growing at all. So, it was that degree of separation is so important because you need to know how much it costs for you to exist, right? So, Mm -hmm. those bills, if you have an account just set up for that, you will be far better off than just the transaction account and the one savings account. You'll just feel like you're more on top of your money. What did you do with yours? Yeah, so what I've got now and what I did when I moved out was having a spending account where I have a certain amount of money a week that I can spend on whatever I want. I don't feel guilty about it. Um, And then bills, groceries all come from a separate account. And then I've got my long-term like emergency fund savings. Um, But once I started investing, most of my savings was getting put into an investment account separate from my bank accounts anyway. Um, But yeah, that was was really important to me. And I was also going to say another thing is planning ahead and deciding where your money is going to go when you get paid. Um, did you, I'm, I'm assuming you did as well, Nath, you would have had a job that had variable income, like you'd be making more money one week than the next. How did you manage that? Yeah, well, I didn't manage it when it was my casual job at me, uh, teenagehood working at Cold Rock. It was just kind of save as much as you can, spend as much as you can kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah. I know what changed the game for me and huge plug here, but the Glen Jane spending plan absolutely set me straight when it came to my money. So if you uh, need to get onto that, there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Um, it changed the game because it gave me permission to spend, which if you're anything like me, who if they have money in their account, you will spend it. I needed that permission to uh, have an account that's dedicated, like you said, Azaria, just to... Uh, just for fuel, for food, for drinks, for whatever gets me from Monday to Sunday. And uh, having that definitely helped me. But with the variable income, you need to understand at a base level what it costs for you to be alive. So, Mm. with your Netflix subscription, with your rent direct debit, with uh, your utilities and anything like that, your phone bill, you need to know how much it costs for you to live. And from there, you can change how you react to money. Instead of being reactive, you can start to be proactive. You can start Mm -hmm. to invest. You can start to save. You start to get a good grasp and opportunities start to flow from that, don't it? When you've locked down a big rock like money, you start to see the opportunities come up like, oh, that surprise sort of hotel visit to see a friend, that uh, Mm -hmm. day trip sort of drive with a friend where it's like, it's costing a bit of money, but you're actually feeling on top of it. You start to see opportunities and things that you wouldn't normally do or people around you may not be able to do just because you've got a grasp on what it takes for you to get from Monday to Sunday. Definitely. Yeah. And that was for me when I had graduated high school. I think I was working for about a year and um, saved enough money to go on a holiday to New Zealand. And that was there weren't many people doing that then, but that was something that I really wanted. And I absolutely agree. It kind of gives you more options and removes 
the guilt that you have around spending money as well because you know that your basics are taken care of. Yeah, you were definitely the person I'd be jealous of in high school. I, <laughs> I'd always want to be that one in New Zealand but never put any work to get there. Have you managed to get there yet? I have actually. Yeah, I had a great time in New Zealand. You've got to go to Hobbiton. You have to go. Oh, absolutely. I've been to Hobbiton three times now and I'm not even that big of a Lord three of the Rings. Three times? <laughs> yeah. What the heck? I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I've only been once. Oh, I've got to step my game up. Far out. Yeah. I'd love to go back again though. It's such a magical place. Oh, it's an amazing <laughs> I went one time place. where we got to eat dinner there and like we, what, we were there at sunset. And, oh, oh, so cool. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> I was um, I was the pest at the back of that Hobbiton tour. The person just doing his job, what, taking us around, asking questions, facts about the place. I already knew them all. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably teach him a thing or two. <laughs> He would ask a question and go like, I'll have a prize for you if you can answer this one question. Uh, which one of the trees here in Hobbiton is fake? So, oh, don't worry. Kid at the back already has the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, get so to New funny. Zealand. Go to Hobbiton. Yeah, so you were obviously one of the people that watched the extended versions of the movies, I'm guessing. It's a yearly tradition, yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but back on topic... What's the next sort of tip that you would give a young person with their money? Um, well, I think it, it could be relevant to other people. I know that when I first started uh, making money with my part-time job, it was so easy to spend when I just had a card that contained the money. I didn't know necessarily always know how much was on the card, uh, which was a bit of a problem for me. So I kind of put myself on a spending diet for a few months and that involved withdrawing money from the bank account and saying this is the only money I can spend for the week. And once that's gone, it's gone. Because actually looking in my wallet and seeing that cash there made it feel a bit more real to me. Yeah, no, that's good. And that degree of separation really helps with what is spendable and what is savable. So that's really cool because when you got it in your hands, that tactile feeling, you'll be one of two things. You'll be ready to throw it away and you, you'll learn quickly that you can't just do that. But also, if you're the second person, then you'll make it last longer mm-hmm. when it's cash because that separation, that pain you feel when you toss over that pineapple <laughs> or that $20 note, that, that hurts a bit more than just a tap of the Apple Pay or the, mm-hmm. the tap of the card kind of thing. So, that tactile thing can definitely help with, yeah, training yourself for what is spendable and what's savable. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can nail those habits while you're in high school, while you're young, that's going to be so valuable going into uh, the rest of your life for sure. Yes, yes, definitely. And you had the next point written down, Nath. Which, what was that one? Oh, this one is new isn't always best. Now, yeah, you were just saying that like you'll be ahead of the game if you separate cash and card. Like if you give yourself permission to spend and this is your only money to spend – in similar vein, it's going to be countercultural to what your friends are doing. Mm-hmm. So, what your friends are doing will be different to this sort of advice of thinking about the future. And um, this particular one, new isn't always best, is that the general vibe with anything to do with cars, with phones, with technology, is new is always best. You need to be you need to be current with the things that you own. And mm-hmm. that's a challenging thing. And I, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I've been through, I think, 
eight iPhones. Wow. Right? I, I'm a shocker. Like, <laughs> I, I lose them, break them, whatever them. I, but <laughs> this was good for me because I never got the real taste for the current iPhone because mm. I would always get used to, I was using like iPhone 3s when the 5s were out. <laughs> I was using 4s when the 6s and 7s were out. My goodness. I, and I got made fun of for that, honestly. It was kind of like, do you look at the phone and you're just like, ah, what are you doing on that? Can you even go on Instagram on an iPhone 3? <laughs> that, it was just kind of countercultural. But mm-hmm. I can tell you that the first time I bought the current brand new iPhone was the iPhone 11 last year. So that was the first time that I had built up enough money, I'd saved it up and I didn't even really feel like it. I was kind of like, I was happy with my, I think I had an iPhone SE and the 11s were out. Oh, wow. So I'm still behind. Yeah. But I just saw the money in my account and I was like, oh, this is different for me. I actually can afford this. And for the first time, I actually treated myself with just the iPhone 11. And that thing will last me years and years and years. Like mm. I, I'm i not the kind of person to go straight to the iPhone 12 and the 12 comes out. I'm quite content with uh, the phone that I spent good money on. So this mm-hmm. can go with anything to do with cars. I remember lots of friends in high school that would whether with their money or mum and daddy's money or the bank's money, they would find a way to get a new car. And mm-hmm. I just found it's like my 99 Ford Festiva that I spent 700 bucks on, that lasted <laughs> me way too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had exactly the same with my 99 Corolla. It must have been something they were doing that year where they just made 99, cars baby. to last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, it's so good. Was there any sort of sacrifice that you made, Azaria, where you decided new wasn't best for you? Yeah, it would have definitely been the car situation. So I didn't get a car in high school because I was pretty content just getting the bus to work and getting the bus to uni. Um, But I definitely felt that pressure because everyone was getting either a brand new car or a car that was only a couple of years old. And driving around an old beat up Corolla, it it looked different. It kind of made, I, I had this I guess, perception that people must think I don't have much money or something mm. like that. But at the end of the day, it was like, I, I know what I'm aiming for and that's for financial independence. And I'm I'm saving money so that I can enjoy other things like going traveling and not worrying about having a car loan that's tying me down. Things like that were far more valuable and brought me much more contentment deep down than having a flashy car. And I still drive an old car. I think my current car is maybe a 2011. It yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Like it gets me from A to B and it's not a huge thing for me. So, yeah, that's right. And my current car's an 09 Hyundai. So it's just like, mm-hmm. I know that thing will go and go. And I know that maintaining that will be pretty cheap. And that money that I'm not putting towards a car loan or anything like that will help me in the long run with savings that I want, any short term savings. Because when you lock yourself into a car loan or something like that, which takes a long time to pay off, mm-hmm. you're missing, you're, you're, expending your future income today which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting so that short term that short term goal of maybe going to see europe you're yeah. i would say that you're putting that on hold a little bit yeah exactly right and it's it's also you're going to be paying interest to the bank instead of earning interest that you could potentially be earning on that money so it's always better to be earning interest than paying interest for sure and yeah. the money, I guess, for both of us that we could have been spending on a car that that could now be getting invested and kind of 
working towards our future financial independence. So got to figure out what's most important, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And just because it's not everyone's value doesn't mean that makes yours irrelevant. If you're totally. if you're listening to this podcast, then you I would argue you're a bit countercultural. You're mm-hmm. looking to the future instead of looking for everything right now. So, yeah, good on you for doing that. Absolutely. Um, so, we've got one more point today. Uh, Azari, you want to let us know what this philosophical point is? Absolutely. And this kind of ties into exactly what we're talking about in not getting pressured by what other people are doing. And that's just kind of recognize that your life is your own, your money journey is your own. uh, And what everyone else is doing should not determine how you live. I know, especially in high school, there's so much pressure to fit in and look a certain way, do certain things. I think you'd probably agree, Nathan, as you get older, no one really cares so much anymore. <laughs> uh, you kind of kind of let go of that and that, that can save you a ton of money if you just focus on what you're doing um, and what your goals are and, and be planning for your future. That's going to put you miles and miles ahead. So just try not to keep up with the Joneses as much as you can. Oh, and yeah, I fully resonate with this. Like even people you've interviewed, Azaria, or that Glenn's interviewed on uh, the My Millennial Money podcast, I edit all this stuff and I can even get caught in the trap of just like, man, I should have started investing at 18. Oh, I'm like, (laughs) man, if I had gotten started years ago, like I'd be in this person's position. And that comparison Mm. thing, it fully is the thief of joy. And it's it's almost like that quote meant something. But I suppose like the best time to start a change with your money would be today mm-hmm. and the second best time tomorrow. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. yeah, that, but yeah, so, so definitely don't compare what other people are doing. That, that person who's posting on Instagram, they're in Santorini in Greece. Uh, <laughs> like who knows where that money came from? Who knows the position they're in mentally, emotionally? I don't think it's mm. fair to put uh to compare yourself like that because your life is your own and yeah that shouldn't de- determine how you live it's such a great point as and i'm glad you brought that up because i think that comparison thing is a big thing for people our age oh absolutely especially in the social media age where you're seeing what people are doing on instagram um and even people who are positive financial influences so for example there'd be people that post uh net worth updates and sometimes even that i'm just like that's not relevant to me because it's completely different to the way I live my life and what my situation is. So you can be inspired by other people's journeys. You can also look at what you don't want to do, but ultimately you've got to craft your own path. So be comfortable and take comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point. Well, I think that about wraps up all of the points we had down today and just wanted to reiterate what Nate said. Whereas if you're listening to this podcast, you're already miles ahead of the game. Uh, and you're probably already thinking more about your money than the average person your age. But if you know anyone who you think might also be interested, maybe needs a bit of a push with their money, make sure you share this episode with them, share the Gen Z Money podcast, and we'd much appreciate it. So thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.